Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Three mistakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito This is the Falcoholic Podcast, the official podcast of the Atlanta Falcons on the SB Nation Podcast Network. I'm David Walker. Today, I am joined by Trey Downey, podcast host of Downey Martez that uh, covers a lot of topics, but specifically, he is here to talk about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Falcons' week two opponent, a division opponent. Uh, Atlanta will be on the road to take on uh, Tom Brady and the defending Super Bowl champs. Uh, Trey, thanks for joining me, first of all. Thanks for having me, man. It's uh, we're in football season. Great to talk about any game, even one that uh, might have the biggest line of the week. <laughs> that that may be an understatement at this point. Uh, I think that line shifted into double digits. Uh, it may have already been in double digits, and it, I think it's uh, it keeps creeping up the more that uh, people watch that Falcons game again. Um, so let's just jump into it. I want to start with obviously. Uh, where everyone sort of recognizes the Bucks now, and that is on offense. And it starts with Tom Brady, who, uh, you know, a few years ago, apparently sold his soul to you know, some dark forces and uh, <laughs> has refused to age uh, 44. Uh, I'm 46, and I feel like uh, I'm a 30 or 40 years older than Tom Brady at this point. Uh, any signs of him slowing down, or does he continue to look like the – greatest quarterback that literally has ever played the game oh no signs whatsoever I mean I'm I'm with you though I was with a lot of people after two years ago in the playoffs when they faced the Titans and he threw that pick six to end the game I was like Tom's probably on the back side of his career but then when everything went down and he came to he, he came to the Buccaneers and if you've listened to myself on on radio over the past you know, five to 10 years, or you've listened to me on the, on the Bucks Nation podcast with Glenn Martez, you knew my thoughts on Jameis Winston, that whole situation there, and that a change needed to be made. Now you bring in the greatest quarterback of all time, regardless of if he was on the backside of his career, was going to be an absolute upgrade over what Jameis Winston brought the Buccaneers. Mm-hmm. Now you can talk about whatever you want to talk about as far as arm strength goes and Tom Brady, look at what he did last year with all of the COVID protocols. They didn't have a traditional training camp or anything to get the rhythm down with this offense. And they struggled a bit. I mean, people saw those early games with the bears, with the giants, with the saints, and you didn't know where this team was going to go. But then in the late stages of the season against the lions, against the Falcons, They kind of got things rolling and then went into the playoffs. And what happened there was what happened there. And then again, phenomenal in the first game against (laughs) against the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, there were turnovers, but especially the the one interception that went off of Leonard Fournette's hands, not on Brady whatsoever. And I and I think Brady hasn't slowed down, but I think 
uh, he's been revitalized because look at through all the years, even the year that he had Randy Moss and they set records, they almost went undefeated. Phenomenal weapon, one of the greatest receivers in all of all time in uh, Randy Moss. But now, last year and this year, uh, at to- in totality, this is the best slate of weapons Tom Brady has ever had. So oh, even if he, even if his skills have diminished a little bit, when you have those kind of skills and you haven't had this kind of toolbox to dish it out to throughout your entire career, you're obviously going to extend the life of your career. And when things are going well, you're obviously going to get some of that confidence back. Not to say that Tom Brady ever lost any confidence in New England. (laughs) Uh, I think the interesting conversation when he came to the Bucs was, uh, you know, for any just football fan was Mm -hmm. you separate him now from Belichick for the first time. Um, who stands apart in that broken relationship? You know, was it Belichick? Was it Brady? Uh, and I feel like last year answered that question with the success of New England and the, obviously the tremendous success that Brady had with Tampa Bay last year. But you mentioned the weapons, and I, this is really interesting to me because I, coming in uh, before Antonio Brown got here, Mike Evans, uh, sort of a criminally underrated receiver when you're talking about some of the top receivers in the league, Mm-hmm. Um, God, Godwin, who has really sort of emerged over the past several years, uh, an incredible receiver in his own right. And then you add freaking Antonio Brown. Um, I don't know that there's a, a three wide receiver set that is more dangerous than this one. And uh, who's his top target right now? It, it feels like Brown is getting a lot of the attention, but uh, from week to week, he could easily shift gears to any of the other guys. Uh, who's his top guy? Uh, and are any of them slowing down? Because it, it seems like Evans maybe isn't quite uh, at his peak or what he was, you know, several years ago, but still a great receiver. Uh, I'm not going to go there with with Mike Evans. I think Mike Evans is still at his peak. I think that there isn't necessarily – if in an ultimate situation where you need uh, to target one guy for a first down or something like that, I think the answer is still probably Mike Evans. But mm-hmm. as far as who gets – as far as who gets the most targets, who gets the most yards every single week, it's going to vary week by week. It's going to depend on what the defense is doing, who the defense tries to take away. Uh, admittedly, last year, I was not the biggest proponent of bringing Antonio Brown in. I thought it was unnecessary. Really? I, yeah. Yes. What they have in what they have in Scotty Miller. I mean, everybody knows what he did at, at the end of the first half in the in the Green Bay game in the playoffs last year. But Scotty Miller is a guy who I think has a can emerge into a very good slot receiver. And then a rookie that they drafted last year out of Minnesota, Tyler Johnson, I have, mm-hmm. re- I have really high hopes for. And then look at what they had at tight end with Rob Gronkowski, with Cameron Brait, who I think uh, through the playoffs last year developed a lot of trust with Tom Brady. And then you have OJ Howard, who you're still waiting to you know blossom in to the player that everyone thought he was going to be. So I think Mike Evans is still the number one wide receiver on this football team. But I think especially if you're having Bucks receivers on your fantasy football team or something like that, it's going to vary week by week as to who gets the targets. And a lot of that is going to depend on what happens uh, on the defensive side of the ball and how they're covering the team. A lot of what I saw in uh, the final preseason game with Brady's connection with Godwin, I think that this could really truly be a huge, huge breakout season for Chris Godwin. He's on the, the franchise tag this year. So he's either 
going to get paid big money from the Bucks, or he's going to uh, demand a huge market outside uh, of Tampa Bay. But yeah, week by week, it's going to it's going to vary. Whether I don't think you're going to see Rob Gronkowski scoring two touchdowns every every week for this team, and I don't think you're going to see uh, Mike Evans with only a couple of catches every week. It's it's just going to it's going to vary, and I think all of these guys are going to end up getting their touches. And I think that Evans will probably end up uh, continuing his great streak of uh, a thousand yard seasons to start his career. Unbelievable. Um, you mentioned the tight ends. Obviously, everyone knows who Gronkowski is. Uh, absolute legend at the position. And I want to say, this is a Falcons podcast, and I'm going to get crap for talking positively about the Bucks. It's a division <laughs> opponent, um, but I'm just shooting straight. Like these are, in, It's an incredible set of talent. Uh, for, for my listeners who are listening in, I'm just trying to be very blunt and honest yeah. about the situation. Do you- do your listeners want you to go on here and say that that Tom Brady's crap? Oh, I know. Mike Evans <laughs> is overrated. Ridiculous. Like, like, <laughs> when, like in the past. Like, I'm not gonna when Downey and Martez comes out this week on on Bucks Nation. I'm not gonna go saying that uh, Calvin Ridley's crap. The Falcons shouldn't have drafted Kyle Pitts. No, exactly. Give credit where credit is due. Yeah. So, uh, uh, but on those lines, you mentioned the the other tight ends, and this is sort of insane to me. Um, obviously, OJ Howard. Still needs to turn into that, you know, first round pick that they invested in him several years ago. Cameron Brait, again, another really good receiving option. What is the, I guess, standard formation, or, or is it, you know, do they like to have two tight ends out there a lot? Is it the three wide receivers? It feels like no matter which formation the Bucks go into, they, they have talent at every single position. Um, so should we be looking out for two tight end sets? Is it going to be primarily three wide receivers? Uh, what do you think is going to be like the, the primary offense the Falcons are going to face on Sunday? I think it's probably the three wide receiver set. I mean, if you if you look the the starting quote unquote offense, you consider uh, Evans, Godwin, and Brown all starters. Gronk is is your starter at tight end. I do think they'll mix things in because Gronk is you know, the most prolific pass catching tight end that we've probably seen in the NFL, but he's also the best blocking tight end on the, on the Buccaneers. And I think with, with guys like, like Howard and with guys like Cam Brate, those are guys that you don't necessarily have to have that you, uh, you don't have to have their hand in the ground uh, next to the tackle. You can have them split out in the slot as well. So I do think you'll see a sprinkling in of those guys. Last week, we obviously saw a little bit more of OJ Howard than we saw of Cam Brate and Gronk had the game that he had. But uh, I think the three wide receiver set uh, is primarily what you're going to see out of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, not only this weekend, but moving forward. But with the tight ends that they have, they obviously can go uh, two tight ends anytime that is necessary or that they want to. And we saw the success Tom Brady had with a two tight end set uh, throughout the course of his career in New England. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. Tell me about the running backs. Uh, obviously, uh, Fournette, former first round pick for the, the Jaguars, the top five pick, in fact. Um, but actually, I, I think the name that may get a lot of attention this weekend is Ronald Jones. So tell me a little bit about these two running backs and what Falcons fans uh, can look forward to in, from the backfield uh, from on Sunday. So last Thursday night, the running backs were probably, other than what we saw a little bit on defense and letting the Cowboys do what they did, the running backs were probably the least bright spot uh, for the Buccaneers. They both had their issues, as I mentioned earlier, uh, Fournette with the with the pass that ended up getting intercepted. Mm-hmm. And then Ronald Jones got 
stripped and never came back in the game. And Bruce Arian said afterwards that uh, that Rojo let it get to him. And that's why he didn't put him back in the game. Now, uh, my take on the running backs is this. Leonard Fournette, everybody was absolutely enamored with what he did in the playoffs. Playoff Lenny, Lombardi Lenny. Obviously, he was a <laughs> high he was a high draft pick last year in Jacksonville. But I think throughout the course of the season last year, Ronald Jones proved that he was the better running back and the best running back on this football team. Now, what happened last week with the fumble, which he had a lot of issues with when he was a rookie. Uh, I was out there a lot at training camp when he, when he was a rookie and how he got that ball stripped in that game against Dallas. There were drills where the coaches would just come behind strip after strip after strip on Ronald Jones. And he looked like he might be a bust as a pick that was at the top of the second round when they drafted him where they drafted him. But he has grown in to a running back who last year for a good portion of the season, I saw potential uh, for Ronald Jones to be a top 10 running back in this league. Now, after what happened last week, I was very skeptical about how the future was going to play out for Ron for Ronald Jones. But uh, Bruce Arians has come out and said he's going to start this week. So yep. uh, he's apparently he has he has bounced back in practice and in 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 that running back room to where Bruce Arians has the confidence in him. And I think Ronald Jones is going to go out there on Sunday with something to prove. Now, Bruce Arians has always said he's going to go with the hot hand. And before uh, that fumble, they were rotating Fournette and Jones in this past weekend. So we'll have to see how they end up splitting the carries. But I do think that you could see a heavy dose of Ronald Jones early, uh, especially in a game where the Bucs are expected to win, to get some of that confidence back going for Ronald Jones. And again, you'll probably see a, you'll see a heavy dose of Giovanni Bernard as well as he is the, <laughs> he is the, the third down running back for this football team now. And I think that he is going to continue to offer uh, a significant upgrade on what the Bucs were able to get out of uh, Shady McCoy last year. My goodness. <laughs> um, all right. A plethora of riches. riches. Um, all right. The offensive line. Last question on mm -hmm. the offense. Uh, Donovan Smith, left tackle. Uh, Tristan Werps, right tackle. Arguably one of the best uh, tackle duos on the outside. Um, are there any weaknesses on this offensive line that have you concern? Is it the center? Uh, is it the interior? Uh, I think Kappa is, is, you know, rounding out to be actually a very good starter at right guard. Uh, what potential weaknesses do you see on this offensive line, if any, and there may not be any. I mean, throughout the years, you could probably say Donovan Smith was, was the weak link on this offensive line. And, obviously going into going into last year people were worried about him protecting Brady's blind side but Donovan Smith doesn't get uh, a contract extension and isn't still on this football team if Tom Brady doesn't believe in him mm -hmm. so if Tom Brady believes in him as his left tackle then I'm going to start to believe in Donovan Smith I think Ali Marpet and Ryan Jensen those are the stalwarts of this offensive line right now Jensen's contract situation we don't know what the future holds with that but I if, if you want to point out a weakness, I guess you could still consider what Donovan Smith a little questionable. And I wouldn't be surprised at some point in the future if Tristan Morphs is moved from right tackle to left tackle because he's already uh, blossoming as one of the better offensive linemen uh, in the NFL. And the Bucs were able to get him where they got him in the, in the draft last year. Kappa, that's a guy who we thought coming into this 
coming into this offseason that there were no position battles on offense other than maybe Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette other than but we knew that the carries were going to be split uh he won the starting job even though he didn't play a lot in the playoffs last year he was injured so Aaron Stinney played at at right guard in the playoffs so Kappa and Going into last season, you would have said Kappa, a guy who came out of a small school, wasn't 100% proven, and then Worf's a rookie would be the weakness of the offensive line. But then Worf's is what he is, one of the highest graded, if you look into analytics, offensive linemen uh, in the NFL. Mm-hmm. So may- so maybe if, if you want me to rank the offensive linemen, Kappa and Donovan Smith are probably the two that, that, you'd, have to, that you'd have to watch for. But again, that's the Falcons – where is the, the the pass rush really coming from? <laughs> Absolutely nowhere. So that's why. Yeah. I mean, uh, the only name that stands out because he can wreck games is Grady Jarrett. I mean, he, he's done in the yeah. past. Um, but past him, there's absolutely no help. And, uh, you know, to be blunt, I, I think if any Falcons fan is looking at this defense and thinking there's an advantage anywhere, you're probably uh, looking at it with blinders on. Um, the Falcons, you know, A.J. Terrell at corner, uh, could turn into a really good one uh, mm-hmm. this year and into next year. But then you have a bunch of question marks. Um, and uh, this is not the matchup uh, in which I think a, a player like AJ Terrell emerges because he's going to go up against three receivers that could be, a, you know, a number one receiver on any other club in the NFL. So uh, that's, that's a hell of a way to uh, welcome a second year player into his uh, uh, 17th game starting. So uh, <laughs> God, it just, like I keep talking about this offense and I want to go drink something now, <laughs> right. uh, but it's two sides of the ball. We're going to talk about the defense and what they may end up doing. And, and if Matt Ryan's going to make it out alive on Sunday. Uh, but before we do that, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Today's episode is brought to you by cars.com with over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day. Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. And we're back on the Falcoholic Podcast. Uh, this is Dave Walker. I'm joined by Trey Downey. We're talking about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers going into the Week 2 matchup in Tampa, uh, hosting the Falcons, a Falcons team that got absolutely decimated at home. And it started up front with the offensive line, which I don't have to tell anyone who watched that game. It was absolutely dreadful up the middle. Uh, Jalen Mayfield, the rookie, uh, scored one of the lowest pass-blocking scores I've ever seen on PFF. He had a one4 uh, I think you get five points just for showing up. So I think he actually graded negatively. I think the only way you could gr- grade worse as an interior offensive lineman is if you literally turn around and tackle the quarterback yourself. Um, that was how bad that performance was. And now we're going up against a uh, Bucks defensive line that has talent across the board. And uh, one name jumped out to me last week in watching the game against the Cowboys uh, because I think it jumped out to everyone watching that game, and that was Vita Vea. He was yeah. uh, an absolute freak on the field. Um, I, I think that was what people were expecting him to become. Tell me a little bit about this defensive front and why Falcons fans should probably invest in a lot of alcohol before Sunday gets here. 
alcohol and acid, something like that. You need, you need to <laughs> battery you, acid, you, all of it. Yeah. Yeah. And in, invest in, invest in something, uh, invest in a, in a good remote if you want to change the channel. Um, but yeah, Vita Vea, it was, I talked about it last week on, uh, Downey and Martez on Bucks nation. What he looks like right now, obviously he, he's not the same style of player hundred percent as Aaron Donald is out in LA. Right. He's he's a bigger guy. He's a true nose tackle, all of that. But if he continues to do what he did, literally pushing the Cowboys center back in to Dak Prescott's lap, mm. you have to consider him as probably probably the second best interior defensive lineman in the NFL right now besides Aaron Donald. I'm that high on Vita Vea. Vita Vea is a guy who a lot of Bucks fans were questioning that questioning the bucks taking him and <laughs> when, when it happened and lat, especially injury concerns he got hurt as a rookie in training camp he was hurt for a lot of last season but then when he came back and when he did in the playoffs made a made a huge impact there so vita vea to me is has now i mean this is a star-studded defensive front i mean you've got indomitian sue there you've got uh, you've got on the edges you've got jason pierre paul who has had the success he's had throughout the course of his career and now uh, having new life here in Tampa Bay, they're moving him around. There were multiple times where he was lined up over the center on pass rushing situations last week, last week against the Cowboys. And then you've got Shaq Barrett who totally deserved the contract that the Bucks gave him uh, this off season. And he got to Dak Prescott this past weekend uh, or the last week against, against Dallas as well. And then you've got a rookie and Joe Tryon Shoinka, who I think a lot of GMs are going to be slapping themselves of letting the Buccaneers get what looks like could be another elite pass rusher on this football team. And we've seen, we saw through last year that the Bucks were able to get to the, get to the passer, something that throughout the, the years here in Tampa Bay, they went years and years and years without having a guy with double digit sacks before, um, before Shaq Barrett was able to do it his first year in Tampa Bay. But now this defensive line is one of the strengths of this football team. They, even before they got that pass rush going and shirt up the secondary a little bit, they you couldn't run on this football team. And I think that that's going to be something to watch because I watched a good portion of that uh, Atlanta game last last Sunday. And <laughs> it, and admittedly, I was especially early. I was impressed with with what they were able to do running the ball. I did not expect Cordero Patterson and uh, Mike Davis to be able to move the ball on the ground. I thought they were going to be extremely, extremely pass heavy, even with uh, their new head coach coming over from Tennessee. So I was a little bit impressed with the running game early on and how well they were mo- they were able to move the ball. And I think if you're going to have success against the Buccaneers, you want to keep that offense off of the field. Right. But the Bucks defense, they've shown if they have any weakness, it's not against the run. So I think you're going to have to go back to – old faithful Matt Ryan and hope that the Bucks can't get the the pass rush that you think <laughs> they can get considering how the offensive line performed uh in pass blocking situations last week but maybe they could surprise us because last week I didn't I didn't see them coming out and 
having the success that they did early with Cordell Patterson. So maybe it'll be a, a bit of a surprise. And I think that if there is a path to success, it's either it's Matt Ryan having an absolutely huge game with uh, Kyle Pitts breaking out or it's or it's the running game being able to keep the, the Bucks off, offense off of the field. But do I have a ton of faith in that, considering that the Bucks have had the best run defense in the league for a few years now? No, I don't. Yeah. um and i I think the you know the philadelphia defensive front is a very talented one as well so um not maybe not quite as deep but arguably in the top five i think in for uh, sure yeah the defensive uh you know uh trenches so uh it sort of a back-to-back nightmare scenario when you're trying to deploy an offensive line with two new starters in the middle uh with the falcons so you mentioned matt ryan needing to uh you know be successful through the air uh, and I do want to say, because I, I think you and I have both seen this, if you've watched the NFC South over the years, division games can often go completely off script. You know, you'll, sure. you'll go into the game predicting like, you know, 35 to 28 and you get something like six to three. And you're like, where did that come from? Um, I'm not predict. There's no way in hell I'm predicting that for this game. Uh, my prediction is going to be incredibly dire and also require uh, a good dose of battery acid. However, uh, you mentioned Matt Ryan, the passing game. The Falcons do have, you know, even with Julio Jones gone, they've got Calvin Ridley, who I think is one of the best route running receivers in the league. Uh, a really, really good follow up to, you know, not the same kind of receiver as Julio Jones, but I think a very good receiver in his own right. Uh, Russell Gage, who has been a, a very reliable slot receiver, had over 700 yards receiving last year. And then it falls off after that. Uh, who are these guys going to match up to on the outside at corner? I know you guys just lost one of your top corners, uh, maybe uh, going on IR. I think that remains to be seen. But uh, what does a cornerback situation look like uh, for the Bucks? Yeah, so Sean Murphy bunting, that injury looked a lot worse than what it is possibly going to be. He did go on IR, but there is hope that it is only going to be a short-term IR situation. So on the outside, you're going to see uh, the guys that are typically on the outside, both Auburn uh, cornerbacks, Carlton Davis and Jamel Dean. Murphy Bunting is also considered a starter on this defense, but he's primarily the slot guy. Mm -hmm. So I think what you're going – last week against the Cowboys, they picked on Jamel Dean a little bit. And – That worried me to the extent of, yes, Murphy Bunting went down, but it's not like they moved Dean into a situation that he wasn't, he wasn't used to. He plays on the outside primarily. So if, if that's a situation that like he was graded very high last year as, as an outside cornerback. So if the Falcons can take advantage of that, you didn't see a ton of success against Carlton Davis. And I think that the Bucs would like to have Carlton Davis on Calvin Ridley for the majority of this game. So whether it is, uh, you know, moving, whether it is Russell Gage taking advantage of uh, Ross Cockrell, who is who stepped into that uh, slot corner situation. That could be that could be something Atlanta could take advantage of. And then uh, obviously we don't know what's going to happen as far as the the safety situation is. Uh, Jordan Whitehead didn't play last week. I don't 100 percent know uh, that he's going to be ready for this weekend. So uh, those are where you're primarily going to see Atlanta try and take advantage of the Buccaneers. A lot of what they did last a lot of what Dallas did last week was getting the ball out of Dak Prescott's uh hands very quickly and throughout and Atlanta throughout the years, especially, you know, 
us in Tampa, we know Dirk Cutter like to push the ball down the field. Right. So you didn't necessarily, you didn't, ne- you saw, you don't necessarily see the ball getting out of his hands very quickly. So I think that, you know, getting the ball into Gage's hands quickly, you know, a screen game, getting the ball to Mike Davis, who uh, also us in the NFC South know, especially with how often Christian McCaffrey has been injured. That's a guy who can catch the ball out of the backfield. I think those are probably going to be the situations where you're going to take advantage of. I don't necessarily, I mean, who do you expect? uh, Who, who is Atlanta lining up on the outside opposite Calvin Ridley that would probably be going against Jamel Dean because maybe a breakout game from that guy could be something that we've seen. I Obviously you said Gage is probably the number two receiver on this team, but they like to put him in the spl- slot. Exactly. And then, and then Kyle Pitts, who is a rookie, but he's, I guess, still considered a tight end, but I see, uh, I saw them using him in the slot last week as well. So I don't know who else is going to, to line up on the outside for, for Atlanta against Dean. If, they are going to be able to take advantage of that again, even though I think last week was a little bit of a nominal, uh, an anomaly for uh, Jamel Dean. Yeah, it, it's really interesting on the because Gage is more of a slot receiver uh, on the depth chart. Alameda Zacchaeus, who's only five foot eight, would be the I guess the next guy on the outside. Uh, bluntly, the Falcons aren't going to run a lot of three wide receiver sets. Um, yeah. So. Uh, the one thing you may see, I think, is, uh, to your point, Kyle Pitts, uh, throughout the preseason uh, in training camp, we only saw him play two snaps uh, in actual games. But in the practices, they like to flex him out wide as well. So he actually could be someone that uh, gets some of those matchups with Dean. Um, and as many people know, Pitts has the potential. You know, like All the physical traits are there to become – uh, an incredibly productive uh, tight end, and maybe even more. Uh, you know, the guy's got I agree with that. speed, uh, but it didn't happen last week, and I think the Falcons fans were frustrated with that. Um, and that may just, you know, sometimes that just comes down to uh, the game plan going off script, and and the coach having to adjust and just not getting the guys in there like he wants to. Um, linebacker, this is uh, I want to say this uh, up front because I've been able to watch this guy. Uh, I think it was. I think it was drafted in 2012. Uh, it was in that time frame. Um, arguably uh, one of the best linebackers in the league. And it, and it seems like it has taken a long time for him to get that recognition mm-hmm. in Levante, Levante David. Uh, I, I uh, even though he is on a rival team, I have incredible respect for this player. I, he's one of my favorites um, in the NFC South. Uh, he's obviously on the, you know, the backside of, you know, 30, um, and he's got Devin White next to him. Tell me about this linebacker core. And is Levante David, in your mind, still one of the best linebackers that people don't talk about enough? Uh, and uh, tell me a little bit about Devin White as well. So it's kind of crazy, right? That, or for years, Levante David was an underappreciated guy. For for my money, one of the one of the best linebackers in the entire NFL, mm-hmm. and no one ever talked about him. And then Tom Brady gets here and the defense is finally is finally very good and the Bucs are winning the Super Bowl. And now they have Devin White, who a lot of people consider the best linebacker on this football team now. So now that is not a shot at at Levante. I still think that especially the leadership that he brings in the defensive locker room, he to me is still probably the most important part of this defense. But Devin White, the intangibles, I mean, the, the guy is so fast. And I think as we've talked a lot about the Bucks and the tandems that they have or at 
receiver and then the weapons that they have on offense and then what the defensive line brings. But those two as a tandem of inside linebackers, it really can't get much better than that. You have the, the talent and the just the raw speed and tackling ability that you have with a Devin White. And then you have just the leadership and intelligence that you have with, with Levante David. Those guys are are phenomenal. And then if you want to look as far as, you know, a third or fourth uh, linebacker on this football team, Kevin Minter, who a guy who's played a lot of special teams and a guy who uh, played in Arizona when Bruce Arians was there. So he's familiar with this scheme. And then a guy that they drafted uh, this year, late in the draft, KJ Britt out of Auburn, who in the preseason, I thought had the potential to take the spot from Kevin Minter as the third inside linebacker on this football team. So I think that that's a guy that, I mean, look, Levante just signed a contract extension, so I'm not trying to push him out whatsoever. He is still, <laughs> he is still phenomenal, but I mean, you already want, you've got Devin white and then you're already bringing up a guy who you could end up being a steal and KJ Britt, who I think has the potential to be a, a, a starting linebacker in the NFL. It's just another position where there is uh, kind of an embarrassment of riches. And <laughs> we've gone a long way from Bucks fans wanting to fire Jason Light for trading up in the second round to draft Roberto Aguayo. Oh, <laughs> well, you brought, I didn't even have to bring it up. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was, uh, that was something special. Um, and right now, as a Falcons fan, I am not going to tell any jokes on any franchise. <laughs> uh, we're feeling the pain. Um, all right, uh, Trey, thank you so much for the uh, joining the podcast, giving us a preview of uh, this in- incredibly deep uh, and talented Bucks team from what we're seeing. Uh, last question for you. Give us your prediction for how things are going to go down on Sunday. So I'm going to predict a Bucks win, and uh, I'm going to predict that the Bucks cover. Last week, I thought <laughs> – Last week, I uh, I said that the Cowboys weren't in the same tier of team as, as the Buccaneers, and they played the Bucs a lot better than I expected them to. So I'm not going to put it past Atlanta because, as I've said, on on offense, especially at the at the receiver position, they have the potential to be able to attack this Buccaneers team in, in, in ways to put some points on the board. They're going to have to do that if they're going to win this football game. But I think that the Bucs win by at least two touchdowns. Uh, I just don't see Atlanta uh, replicating the same game plan that the Cowboys were able to do by getting the ball out of Dak Prescott's hands uh, that quickly, or even you know going back to that running game that I thought was somewhat successful last week. I think the Bucs, maybe even more than two touchdowns, maybe something like a 30 to 10 type of game uh, on Sunday in Tampa. Uh, I'll be honest, it wouldn't it would not shock me. Um, and yet again, though, it is the a division game, and uh, God knows those things have often gone completely bonkers. So I think I mean, Falcons, look at what what was it? A, I think a, a Thursday night a couple of years ago, where the the Bucks were wearing the color rush uniforms, and Atlanta just uh, absolutely yeah. ripped uh, ripped the Bucks to shreds. So. Things can change very quickly. This division has had a tendency of, you know, the team that finished in last place going worse for first and not to get off on a completely different tangent. The Falcons have some rebuilding to do, but I don't necessarily. This is going to sound crazy and people are going to another (laughs) NFC South fan list, uh, other NFC South fans listening to me on another NFC South podcast. I don't think that it's a given that Atlanta finishes last 
in the NFC South this year. And that's not because I think Carolina's bad. I think Carolina's potentially a playoff team. I think a lot of what we saw last week in Jacksonville was fool's gold. And I'll just mm-hmm. leave it at that. Oh, <laughs> little I, you are not going to get arguments from Falcons fans on that one. Um, Ooh, I like it. Uh, finishing on a really bright note in a, in dark days for Falcons. Um, <laughs> fantastic. All right, Trey, again, thank you. Tell our listeners where they can find you and what you have going on. So you can follow me on Twitter at TD Experience. And then every week you can check out myself and Lynn Martez. Uh, just search Bucks Nation wherever you uh, listen to your podcasts and it'll be titled Downey and Martez. We come out uh, every single week and you'll be able to listen to us there and then check out BucksNation.com as well for the latest and greatest on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Fantastic. Uh, as for me, guys, as always, you can follow me on Twitter at FalcoholicDW. Updates for this podcast at Falcoholic Pod, and of course, our articles daily at falcoholic.com. So for Trey Downey, this is Dave Walker. Thank you guys for listening in. We'll talk with you next time.